The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Pat Gray is here on the Blaze Radio Network. Well, I mean, I don't think I could pass for Pat. He's much more handsome. I think he's a little taller, too. But anyway, it's Justin Barclay in for Pat Gray today, and this is the Blaze. It's an honor, a privilege, as always, to be here with you. I talk about this every time I get to come in and spend some time, because, gosh, you really don't know like how long it's going to last. I think it's, you just call me in and pull me off. You know, like immediately, if not sooner. Well, and then honestly, in today's day and age, you just never know how long any career is going to last anymore. What about this Charlie Rose thing? Huh? Wow. I don't know. I mean, I just want to open up the phone line. Because at some point today, I want to talk about this. What do you believe anymore? We we talked a little bit about this yesterday, but I mean, what did, did can I feel like the stuff that I'm seeing and on all of these, the politicians, the you know the news people, the media, the Hollywood, all I mean everybody, right? Like probably fifty percent of it is true, and then maybe fifty percent isn't. But I don't know. And I just don't know where to where to where to land on some of this stuff anymore. I don't know. Charlie Rose is like a, it's like your like your grandpa. I mean, I'll look. I, I'm not I'm not naive. People do things, and you just don't know where they're going to land. But I got to tell you, man, uh, this this is like a this whole thing is a is like a it's like a storm. And at the end of the day, who is this going to end up bringing into its wrath? Charlie Rose. They got Charlie. It's crazy. It's literally crazy. I have uh, I have some audio. We'll get to some of this stuff a little later on. I want to play some, some of it for you. Oh, man. Just kind of settling in. If you want to join the show, 888-900-3393 is the uh, number. You can join us, 888-900-3393. Loaded up and ready to go. We'll talk about North Korea. We will talk about uh, this question of whether this molar, is the molar probe, is this thing done yet? Are they done? Because the president seems to think they're wrapping that up. I don't know. It feels like those things can go on forever. I don't know if it's over or not yet. Politically, what are the implications of that? And, oh, by the way, while we're at it, let's talk about everything else. You know, Uranium One. You know, are there some other are there some other scandals that uh, that should get a closer look and whether or not. They will, I guess, is a whole other question. Professor Alan Sachs, a very interesting individual. Uh, this guy, uh, I, I got to tell you, every time I get a chance to talk to him, he is kind of, he's like a, like hanging out with your uncle, you know? <laughs> it is. 
One of those situations. We'll talk to him today. Plus, uh, look, uh, I want to talk about this crazy idea, entitlement, that you're entitled not not just for, I think, to be able to talk about what you want to talk about and freedom of speech to be able to say things, but now you're entitled to have people to agree with you. Like, that's the new thing. Uh, People should agree with me. Not only should I be able to say what I want to say, but yeah, people have to agree with what I'm saying too. Huh? Oh, and by the way, you have to have a platform to be able to do this. And and that's the uh, uh, the other part of that First Amendment that well, I guess we didn't really study too much there with the founding fathers is that, uh, you know, not only do you have the freedom of speech, but you got the freedom to uh, the platform. There's no consequence. You're free of consequences too. You can do it, say whatever you want. Unless... In fact, your political views vary from, they differ from those that are in the media, et cetera. So what is freedom of speech? What is, are there free, are there really, are we, are we free of consequences now too? Or are there consequences for the things that we do? Boy, wouldn't you like to, because wouldn't you like to know Colin Kaepernick over here uh, suing the league, the NFL, and, and of course, what well, his latest piece have you seen the news? Kathy Griffin. Kathy Griffin is upset. This is Colin Kaepernick being a, a blackballed, and, and Kathy Griffin, she's right there with him. She says she's been blacklisted. I want to know what is it with this, with these, with these people. You want to come out and do something that people don't agree with. You want to come out and do something in her case, vile. I I mean you got to you got to admit that uh, people might feel a certain way about what you've done. That may affect business at the end of the day. Isn't that what we're looking at when we look at the NFL? It, possibly there's effect on business. Maybe that's I just throwing this out there cuz I you know I don't know a lot about football. I mean I know a little bit, but I'm not like you know, I'm not like into the stats, but I can tell you, uh, if you if you insult your customers, no matter what business you have, right? Be it a a, a popsicle stand or uh, or or the NFL and an NFL team, if people walk into your establishment and want to buy your product or they want to they want to come. And, and eat a meal at your restaurant or whatever that might be, right? And you insult them, these people that have come in to give you their hard-earned money, and way too much of it in some cases, right? But they gladly do it? And you insult them? Your business probably not going to last long. So should the NFL teams, even if Colin Cal- let's just throw this out there. I mean, I don't know. You tell me. Even if Colin Kaepernick, the best quarterback in the league, yet he comes with all this extra baggage, he could be toxic to your locker room. In other words, he could cause all these issues. And as a team, this is not a single-player sport. It's You have to have a cohesive unit operating together. If there's a chance of bringing that guy in, even though he's immensely talented, and that's not... In this case, that's not true. He's got some talent. He 
has performed at some points, but not really showing that lately. And on top of it, he brings all this extra baggage to the table. Do you as an owner go, yeah, this is great. I I love this. No, of course not. If I had a brand new Ferrari parked outside and, and you had no driver's license or you weren't a very good driver whatsoever, a matter of fact, you just said, I want to drive your car. Would I be a fool to let you drive it? Of course. I'm not letting you anywhere near it. Colin Kaepernick thinks that he has a right to drive your car just because it's parked out on the street. Apparently, that's the same way Kathy Griffin feels, too. We'll talk about all of this, by the way, coming up a little later on. 888-900-3393. That's the number, 888-900-3393. And for Pat Gray today, it's Justin Barkley, and this is The Blaze. Pat Gray. Unleashed. The Blaze Radio Network. Returns on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome in, Justin Barkley. This is Pat Gray Unleashed. And I am not Pat Gray. I'm Justin Barkley. But this is the Blaze. And of course, if you want to be like, yeah, I am unleashed. Thank you. I appreciate it. Quite frankly, they tried the leash. Uh, That didn't work very well. Uh, yeah, no, I, I feel like, no, I am kind of like a dog in some ways. Uh, you know what they ended up with me because I'm the kind of dog that I just keep pulling on that leash and then I go, <laughs> and I ain't like a lot of neck fat in that area as well. So what I just got, I have some breathing issues. kind of like a pug. <laughs> That's just how it is. So I, if I pull, I just end up choking. So that we had to end up with a harness. If you see, <laughs> That's what I'm dealing with a harness. Uh, hey, by the way, I can't see yet, but do we have Professor Alan Sachs ready to ready to go? It, he's not on the leash. I right, just keep give me a, give me a heads up when he's ready to run. Uh, I wanted to give you a little bit <laughs> instead of just telling you about what I'm wearing today. Give you an update on my uh, on my accessories here, my leash and my harness. Uh, a little bit of a heads up on what we're talking about today, but also I want to encourage you because you know I this is this is Pat's show, but this is your show as much as it is Pat's, and it's your network as much as it is Glenn's, and then this blaze, this thing doesn't happen without you. So I want to encourage you to get on the phone today and join us. Uh, we had a couple of callers yesterday, but I really think that we can uh, we can add you to the list today. So triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three is the uh, is the number you can dial in triple eight. 900-3393, you can join us uh, also on Twitter as well, at Mr. Justin Barclay, and then you can email me if you'd like, justin at justinbarclay.com. Professor Alan Sachs, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. You too, Professor. I was uh, looking at this earlier today, and I just felt like, okay, you're a guy that we want to have on. Uh, this story that the president seems to feel like the Ah, the investigation with Robert Mueller is wrapping up. Is is this uh is is there any truth to this or is this is this just kind of some sort of spin? 
I think at this point nobody really knows for sure. I certainly do not. I would think it's some kind of a spin. From what I understand that the investigation, the Mueller investigation, is going to continue for quite some time, maybe months, maybe even into years. Um, I don't believe it's wrapping up. I think President Trump would like to believe it's going to wrap up. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us who would like other things to be talked about and debated uh, would like it to be wrapped up as well. It's costing a lot of money. He almost has an unlimited budget. But uh, I don't think it's wrapping up at all. But that's just my own take on it. You know, and that's the thing. I mean, uh, you know, I'd like to see that, too. We're in a we're we're in this day and age where, uh, you know, we we see these things starting, I think, back to like Ken Starr. And what I mean, these things just go and they go and they go. You're right. That's why I used to be sort of in favor of special counsels. But now I'm beginning to look at it very differently. You're absolutely right. It can go on and on and on. They can they can go in different directions. Uh, by the way, the Department of Justice, as a lot of people know, they can do their own investigating. They don't have to appoint a special counsel. So I think the special counsel issue ought to be investigated after this one uh, expires. Uh, there was a court case many years ago on whether or not it was even in, it was even constitutional to have a special counsel or not, and the U.S. Supreme Court ruled yes, it was constitutional but that's one thing whether it's wise is a whole other issue. professor alan sachs joins us right now he's associate professor of political science here at university of texas in arlington of course one of the things uh professor sachs we'd like to talk to you about is you have an extensive history you kind of go back and uh, uh, focus on some of these events as you were just talking about that that uh that special counsel um you know when when these things start off, they may start off with uh, good intentions, but then you start wrapping up people with charges on things that aren't even connected to these things. What is the history of these? Right. Uh, yeah. Well, in, in in fact, you're absolutely correct. Uh, the investigation of President Clinton that eventually led to his impeachment, he was not convicted in the Senate, but he was impeached in the House, and uh, eventually the Senate uh, acquitted him. Uh, but it started off as an investigation, as I understand it, into a land deal in Arkansas called Whitewater, which some of us old-timers might remember. And from Whitewater, it trailed all the way to Monica Lewinsky. <laughs> so from a, a land deal that they wanted to investigate during uh, President Clinton's tenure as governor of that state of Arkansas, all the way to Monica Lewinsky and Paula Jones and a, and a lot of other issues. So you're right, it starts off in one area and then goes off into some others. Watergate was much the same. Watergate started off many, many, many years ago, uh, the investigation of President Nixon, and it kept going on and on. Uh, There were a variety of special counsels uh, that were appointed, and eventually, of course, President Nixon uh, resigned from office. So these special counsels can go off in a lot of different directions, and uh, I'm beginning to believe that uh, there are necessary even though they're constitutional. So where does this one end up going? And another question I'd like to ask uh, Professor Sachs is this question about Hillary being investigated. Will she be investigated for the, for these things, some of these rumblings we're hearing when it comes to, uh, that's a great question. Uh, president Trump would like that. In fact, he's mentioned that openly that he would like for Mrs. Clinton to be investigated. He's putting pressure on the 
uh, Attorney General, Mr. Sessions, and the Department of Justice to do just that. In fact, last week at a hearing, uh, Attorney General Sessions was asked that question by several members of the committee. I think it was Representative Jordan who said, uh, when are you going to investigate uh, Hillary Clinton? Just very directly. And uh, Mr. Sessions, the Attorney General, replied, when we have enough evidence. And, of course, a lot of people believe he's very hesitant to go in that particular direction. But some Republicans really want that to happen, and President Trump among them. Frankly, I don't think it's going to happen at this point. And that's why President Trump is very frustrated with Attorney General Sessions on his uh, lack of willingness to go after Mrs. Clinton. I want to switch gears just a little bit while I got you on, uh, Professor. You know, uh, it really, in the last few weeks, it's just, it's like a storm. I mean, every day I'm waking up to some sort of new news. And uh, the latest thing is the sexual harassment or uh, any allegation. I don't know what to think about this. Have you ever seen anything just go back in history that that, that looks like this? It's getting rather ridiculous. I I agree with you completely. And it's going in all kinds of different directions. And um, I would argue my own two cents, the only time... And accusations like this hold water is when somebody really physically attacks somebody or harms them in some way physically. Uh, Other than that, I think it's gone way too far. A lot of people may disagree with me, but I think the cutoff ought to be physical harm. If someone grabs somebody physically, there are remarks made all the time to people that can be shaming, that can make somebody feel uncomfortable. That happens to me, for example, to be personal for a moment. Uh, it is age, which is very sensitive to me. People make comments about my age all the time. Uh, I'm, an old, I'm an old man by most standards, and uh, I handle it pretty well. I don't cry. I don't accuse anybody of anything. And by the way, age is also protected by civil rights legislation, as I tell a lot of people. But I don't make a bit to do about it. But I have to admit there are things that make me feel very uncomfortable. You just take it. You know, that's what it is, and a free and open society. Are we going to get to a point where a man is afraid to be with a woman at lunch, uh, afraid to be in a business deal with a woman alone? Vice President Pence has said he will not meet with a woman unless his wife is present. I mean, this is getting rather ridiculous, and it's not just between different genders, men and men like Kevin Spacey, of course, but in his case, he actually sort of, it seems like, physically uh, attacks somebody unwillingly. That's another story altogether. Um, But men and men, women and women, I was reading today where a a notable actress was talking about she felt very uncomfortable around a particular woman. So we're uncomfortable all the time in a variety of ways, but it's gotten to be, I think at this point, uh, a little bit nonsensical. I have a little bit of audio here. Looks like from uh, this is from uh, Lee Korfman, who is describing the first time she interacted with uh, Roy Moore uh, down in Alabama. He basically laid out some blankets on the floor of his living room and proceeded to um, seduce me, I guess you would say. And during the course of that, he removed my clothing. Uh, He left the room and came back in wearing his white underwear. 
and um, he touched me over my clothing, what was left of it. We kind of talked about this yesterday, Professor, uh, at some length about uh, with a she with was a friend. A minor. Yeah, she was a minor. Did I think she? Uh, yeah, that makes fourteen. It, that changes a that changes a whole scenario. I should have mentioned earlier: if somebody is a minor or they're incapacitated in some way, that's another story altogether. So she was a minor. Uh, in my early remarks, I'm talking about uh, adults, people that have reached their majority, sure. and uh, people ought to be able, they ought to be able to handle things. But if she can prove it, that's the big thing. If she can prove it, uh, and she was a minor at the time, then I think she deserves uh, uh, a real hearing. No question about that. I think what's 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 tough is if you're trying to be a fair and uh, and balanced to your approach here as a, as anyone. Um, watching these kind of things you tend to say to yourself at least i do look i wasn't there i don't know this story sounds believable uh she sounds ago. that's right yeah but 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 again uh 40 years ago there are yeah, questions right. about right. the timing that's right 40 years ago you're right it, it, it does have uh, it does make you wonder why now you know just when judge roy moore is running for the united states senate why now you know and uh, more accusations have popped up about President Clinton, I think, in recent days as well. That's and true. We had a couple said, yesterday. You're right. We had a couple yesterday sort of a, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some people believe there's a sort of a conspiracy theory at work. I'll, I'll spin that conspiracy theory. Don't know if I believe it or not. But they believe it's all being orchestrated toward eventually going after President Trump. And what, <laughs> what the conspiracy theory wow. says, it, it seems to be a little bit far-fetched to me is that they're trying to bring down some of the Democrats and go to them like Harvey Weinstein and a little bit of Hollywood. So eventually, when they reach President Trump, they'll be able to say, look, this is nonpartisan. We're not after him because he's a Republican. We're after Mm -hmm. him because of various accusations. It's a conspiracy theory, uh, but who knows? It, It may hold some water. Here is Lee Corfman, by the way, on why she decided to come forward now rather than years ago. I wanted to walk into his office and say, hey, remember me? You know, you need to knock this stuff off. You know, I need to go public. Um, my children were small, so I didn't do it. And who knows? I mean, is that believable? I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I, I just, yeah, I don't know. And I think... We've got some well-intentioned folks who are really trying to to to, to figure these things out, uh, and uh, you know, all politics aside, however, boy, uh, this is a huge part of politics, and that's why we're talking about it. I also would think that just about I don't know the percentage, but I would think there's a large percentage of men and women that accusations could be hurled at them from something going back many, many years. By the way, this is the kind of an issue that's going to keep really pretty good people from running for office. Because Mm -hmm. I don't need this, you know what I mean? They may have something way in their background. They're a different person than they were 30, 40 years ago, or even Mm -hmm. 10 years ago or a year ago. And so we always ask the question, why don't good people run for office? Well, this is a reason why. One of them, this does not excuse physical harm. It does, it does not excuse uh, dealing with a minor, but it, it does say there comes a point where you have to say you take responsibility for your life. There's a lot of insults and things that are hurled at people for a variety of reasons, looks, stares, 
comments that are made throughout a person's life, and you begin to say, if I'm going to get so irritated every one of them, uh, you just can't live your life. I was reading where an actress today, or yesterday I was reading this, and she was saying, you know, I'll put it in my words, the more I heard about all these other accusations, I had to think about what happened in my life. So we're feeding mm. this. You know, it, it goes from one thing to another. You know, heck, it happened to this person. Did it happen to me? And Professor so- Alan <laughs> Sachs, I hate to do it. We we have to break here at the bottom of the hour. Thank you so much for joining us, though. I really appreciate Thank it. You. And you, you raised some great questions here. Professor Sachs, thanks for calling in. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, sir. Always. That's a good question. Are we feeding some of this? Is that is that what's happening? And how do we figure out what's really going on? Pat Gray, the Blaze Radio Network. Unleashed. Justin Barkley in for Pat Cray today. Saying hey to everybody watching and uh, listening in the uh, Facebook group. We appreciate you on Twitter as well at Mr. Justin Barkley. You can email me. Justin at Justin Barkley, J-O-S-T-I-N-B-A-R-C-L-A-Y dot com. Just that simple. Also, want to hear from you because, as I said earlier, the blaze and this show, it's just as much yours as it is Pat's, right? We want to hear from you. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Give you a chance to call in and and uh, talk about what's going on. The latest from Donald Trump, the president here, making the big announcement. Of course, of according to uh, North Korea, this is kind of scary stuff. We will be instituting a very critical step, and that'll start right now. Today, the United States is designating North Korea as a state sponsor of terrorism. Should have happened a long time ago. Should have happened years ago. President went on to explain in detail why. This designation will impose further sanctions and penalties on North Korea and related persons and supports our maximum pressure campaign to isolate the murderous regime. And I mean, it makes you really think about this whole North Korea issue. This is nothing new. This is something we kind of have... Tried different approaches as a country. Uh, there have been different administrations that have tried different ways of dealing this, and some would even say kick the thing down the road. Joining us to talk about the latest efforts and what this means, Colonel Jeff McCausland is with us right now. Colonel, welcome to the show. How are you? Justin, I'm doing well. What do we know about this, and uh, how close are we get? Because it feels like it, we get a little bit closer every day to, to war with North Korea. Well, certainly it's part and parcel of what President Trump and his administration has called the maximum pressure strategy being placed on North Korea, expanded sanctions, calling them out certainly publicly in the United Nations, uh, as well as trying to get the Chinese to place pressure on them, and now again calling them as part of the a state sponsor of terrorism. There's only three other countries on this particular list. Those are Iran, Sudan, and Syria. And clearly there's no doubt that this is an effort to put more pressure on them, though the practical effect even uh, the administration admitted was, in fact, rather limited. When we mean such things as we can't sell, sell them military hardware, but I doubt very seriously we were going to do that anyway. Yeah, right. But hopefully also it will encourage other countries to take additional steps to place more and more pressure on North Korea as we try to get them to move away from their efforts to develop long-range missiles and nuclear warheads for those missiles. 
Colonel, they were on this list previously, weren't they? They certainly were. They were on this list following an incident back in 1987 when it became clear that uh, North Korean agents had placed a bomb on a South Korean airliner, which killed something like 115 passengers, and that was in 1988. In 2008, then-President George W. Bush took them off this particular lift in an effort to try to get negotiations restarted. And there was talks during the time of President Obama about whether or not uh, they should be put back on the list. The administration decided not to, I think, primarily for two reasons. One, they were pursuing this strategy of strategic patience to see if there was a change in attitudes in uh, Pyongyang. And secondly, they, they don't believe they had a, the legal authority to do so based on any particular incident, though some might argue that. Trump administration, of course, has used uh, the provocative actions by North Korea in terms of testing nuclear weapons and long-range missiles as well as the death of Otto Warmbier, a young student who was held by the North Koreans in a prison camp, and the clear assassination of Kim Jong-nam, the half-brother of Kim Jong-un, uh, in Malaysia by North Korean agents. Colonel, what, do, what does it say to you? Because one of the things that stands out uh, was the timeline here recently with North Korea. Yeah, well, they don't have a nuclear weapon. They're not close. And it seemed like every couple of weeks here, uh, especially over the summer, We'd, we'd have another major advancement uh, in their capabilities that doesn't seem like it happens in a vacuum. Does that give us any indication that they would be a, a, a state sponsor, Terry? Well, I think it's more that we've been surprised in our intelligence some way about the rapidity in which they conduct these tests and how rapidly they've been able to make advancements in their long-range systems and probably their nuclear weapons as well. And that is a bit of an intelligence setback, though some might argue as one very famous North Korean expert once said to me, you know, we know more about black holes in the galaxy than we know about what goes on on a daily basis in Pyongyang and North Korea. But certainly that seems to be the case as far as state sponsor of terrorism. Uh, this really is more calling them out for how they treat their population, the large number of people in Korea that are placed in concentration camps. And, of course, as I said, these couple of assassinations or deaths of the young American student. But it's really an inching forward on that pressure, turning that screw ever harder uh, by the United States to try to call them out, to try to get them to move towards some diplomatic uh, settlement, and at the same time, I think, trying to reassure our allies in the region that we stand behind them. Uh, in response to this announcement, the North Koreans said there may be, you know, serious actions taken by them. We'll wait and see what that might look like. But it's also notable, I think, that the Prime Minister of Japan, Prime Minister Abe, did welcome this effort by the United States to call them out as a state sponsor of terrorism. What does a resolution look like here? Resolution between us and the North Koreans, I think, would be some movement towards uh, negotiations, but at this moment that seems to be very, very difficult. Uh, some worry that this particular effort of calling them out on this uh, just paints them more and more into a corner and, and forces them to, if they're going to uh, negotiate, they'd have to make a major concession, which I think, frankly, they're unlikely uh, to do. Uh, but hopefully over time the increased economic sanctions and so-called track two talks that are on are ongoing between the United States and North Korea at various locations uh, may find progress and may find a basis whereby negotiations could could begin. But I think even if those negotiations begin, it is very unlikely in the near future we're going to achieve any type of goal that looks like a total denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. Interesting times, Colonel. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, sir. We appreciate you being here.
Can you imagine? I mean, I, 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 I just feel like we're getting one step closer every day. And I'm listen. I'm glad that the president is uh, <sighs> taking this serious in some ways. But also, you know, I, uh, I feel like there's no way out of this. I don't know, man. Now I don't have the bunker full uh, of the canned food and the gold yet. But, dude, I do not blame people who do. I'm just being honest with you. There's nothing wrong with being prepared. You just never know when something's going to happen. And it feels like we, I don't know, it, it can't be just me. It just feels like these days we are living, uh, kind of walking this, this tightrope. Here's more for the president, by the way, on this. Tomorrow, the Treasury Department will be announcing an additional sanction and a very large one on North Korea. And this will be going on over the next two weeks. It'll be the highest level of sanctions by the time it's finished over a two-week period. It's the highest level, the greatest level of sanctions ever of all time. They're really huge. Those sanctions, they're great. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, all kidding aside, I mean, it's, uh, it's enough to kind of make you go, what? Should, they, should we be? Should we? Hmm. I'm sure it's just me, though, right? I mean, i am got to be the only one looking at this like, well. And meanwhile, I mean, we're talking about who Charlie Rose was walking around naked in front of. And these are those are serious issues. Yeah, I get it. But, you know. Hey, hey, hey. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three is the number. If you want to join us, you can at any time. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Justin Barclay, and of course, you can email me Justin at Justin Barclay B A R C L A Y dot com. We'll be back right after this. In for Pat Gray, Unleashed on the Blaze. You're listening to Pat Gray Unleashed. Follow Pat on Twitter at Pat Unleashed, and send him your thoughts using the hashtag Tell Pat. The Blaze Radio Network. Pat Gray returns. Yeah, saying hi to a couple of folks on Twitter. By the way, you can join us. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Justin Barclay. J-U-S-T-I-N-B-A-R-C-L-A-Y. Chum, we appreciate you being It's been a while. It's been a while since I've seen you. And it's been a while since I've been here. But it is always a pleasure when I get the feeling. Josh in Grand Rapids in the very old uh, town that I'm in right now. Saying hey. It's good to be here, Josh. Good to see you, man. I love it when I get to talk to some folks here in the place. It's a different environment. It's a different place. It's special, and I think you know that. That's why you're here. Give me a chance to uh, to sound off. Anything you want to talk about today, too, we'll open up the lines. 888 Going to talk to a friend of mine coming up. His favorite topic, his favorite subject of all time is this uh, First Amendment, free speech. Freedom of speech is not free. Of consequences, right? So, what does this mean? What exactly uh, it could do people get away with? 
I'd love to uh, I'd love to get your pick your brain on this too because you know I think so much of the stuff that we hear nowadays comes from people who have misunderstood and mis a lot of these have been misinterpreted the definitions of some of the words that whole you know I do not think it means what you think it means you know what I'm talking about that's what I think is happening here you know that word you know tolerant 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 means that you you must accept my way of life or my viewpoint politically I do not have to be tolerant of your viewpoint. You just have to listen to me. These folks are spoiled. A lot of them acting like rotten, spoiled, rotten brats, children, whiny. Me, 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 me. And it's kind of our culture. It's kind of our society, right? This is just the way we are now. You know, I'm driving into work today, coming down the, the highway, and people are zooming in and out. I got a buddy who's a sheriff here, and I'm like, man, you know, people, when they're on the road, they're driving. I I mean, I see people, cut, like, just trying to pull crap that they never would have pulled years ago. What's going on? Am I crazy, or do you see this, too? And one of the things he told me is that, hey, you're right. There's a couple of reasons for this one of them is people they've gotten used to their cars being faster in a lot of ways they're quicker they've also gotten used to the cars being safer so they feel like they can uh try moves that they would not ever be able to pull off years ago so they'll they'll pull out in front of people, they'll cut uh cut around, cut in front of people. And I gotta admit, I'm not perfect. I'm no angel. I'm not innocent on the road. I probably am you know, I'm probably guilty of some of these things too. But it's it's because we're constantly, you know, on our smartphones and we're on our apps and we're on our this and we're on our that, and I gotta tell you, man. It's on demand, the world we live in. What do I want? I can have it now. Download it. Click a button. It's here. No waiting. High definition. You know what I mean? It's like incredible. We just bought. I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but it's been like 10 years we drive older vehicles. Like my car is probably like uh, almost fifteen years old, maybe, or it might be fifteen years old. Uh, you know, we got no no debt in that way. We don't have you know. There's no car payment. I'm not telling you this to brag. I'm just saying that this is just kind of what we've been doing ever since about five years ago. Lost my dream job working in radio, and of uh, and my wife and I kind of looked around. And go, okay, crap. What are we gonna do now? What's next? And I wanted to be free. So I said, you know what? I'm going to live life a little differently. I'm going to break away from some of this this uh, this rat race that we've been in. So we do, let's try some things differently. And so that was one of the things we did. Well, we had a TV. I'm telling you, this TV I bought before I met my wife 
The thing, I mean, it was a it was a flat screen, right? I think it's a plasma. I still have it. But we just upgraded. We just bought a new TV, and the new TVs are incredible. We went to the store to buy a new TV. We just wanted to look. That's all you're going to do. So we walked into Best Buy, right? And this is not a commercial for them or anything like that. But we walked in, and I'm looking at the TVs on the wall. And this girl's helping us, and she's walking us. She's a tech. She's one of the, you know, the geek squad or whatever, right? She's telling us all about these. All this stuff I had no idea about. I'm looking at the one TV, the best TV they had. I'm looking at the color, the sharpness, the crisp, clear it's just unreal. I looked at my wife and I looked at Liz. I said, um, that, that's better than real life. I mean, a picture on that thing is better than real life. Like, I can't believe how good that picture is. It seriously made me think, like, I think if I had that television, I may never leave home. And this is the world that we live in now, because if you have that television or if you've grown up just getting the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, we get to a point where we're not grateful for certain things. Like we've completely lost all focus of uh, any sort of gratitude or idea of how crazy the things are right now. I'm sitting in a building in an office in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It's kind of cold and it looks like it's a little rainy outside today, maybe. And I'm talking to you. God knows where you are even. I don't even know where you're at. There's a signal going through the Internet somewhere. It's bouncing off of space. Maybe there's the moon catching the man in the moon, throws it back down, and they get it. I don't know, New York or Dallas or somewhere. I have no idea anymore. And somehow you hear it on your laptop or your computer or you're listening on your phone or something, maybe in your car. I don't know. But the technology is so seamless, it's so quick, and it's so crazy that we just expect this stuff now, and we completely lose any sort of, I, I guess, idea of gratitude that, you know, th there's a lot happening. When you go in the middle of the night, is you wake up, kind of roll out of bed. It happens to me like once a night at least. You got to go to the bathroom. You go and you flick that switch and light comes on automatically. You know, and it's just there. You go to flush the toilet. The water works. You wash your hands. Water's clean. Water's coming out. Hot water. It's crazy. And we've kind of completely lost sight of those things. And the kids now, I think, I don't want to say the kids, because it's not just the kids, it's us too as adults. We forget. And I'll give you a great example of this. My parents who are in their 70s, you know, live through different times. You know, now in the in the cars we have these little gas gauges. The gas gauge will come on and tell you, right, when you, you, you're going to run out of gas, you need to put some gas in. My parents, whenever they come to visit or I go visit them, they're always yelling about, you need to put some gas in the car. <laughs> and they're right. 
They're right, but I completely take that for granted too. Don't you, Justin? Don't you think you need to stop for some gas? Did you want to put some gas in the car? Yeah, you know that's that's a good point. I did, but I t- calm down. We got half a tank. Well, that gauge could be wrong. The needle could be wrong. All of these modern day conveniences, all of these things, make us kind of feel like we're just in. Entitled to these things. We're entitled to comfort. I'm going to tell you, if like if it's not the perfect temperature in my house, like I I I I got to hit that thermostat. I got to fix that. <laughs> you know what I mean? If that if that uh, thing that's loading on my phone or if I'm trying to watch something on Netflix on TV or something, if it takes a minute to download and you get that spinny thing and you get the thing when it's trying to try, it's kind of gets hung up. You go, what the heck is going on here? <laughs> you think it's like the end of the world. I got to wait a second for the thing to download. That's where we are. We we have ended up, I think, in this place now with technology And and really, in the economy where, where businesses have to super serve us so the customer's always right, that has really led to this point where we are always, I am always right. Do not disagree with me. And if you do, you're wrong. There must be something wrong with you. You're evil. I think that's built this whole thing. This whole idea. And some of this we were talking about yesterday, being able to disagree agreeably agreeably disagree like we agree on things but we probably disagree on things but we could still be civil about it and that's where we are today that we're in this we're in this place where i'm in my bubble man i'm in my technology bubble i'm in my idea my ideological bubble my political bubble we got a lot of people running around in their own religious bubble And we don't think about anybody else because we're so wrapped up in ourselves. So that's where we are now. When we talk about freedom of speech and we're looking at the ideas that we have. I know this is a crazy one. This is a crazy one, but maybe we're not always right. Maybe there's another point of view that I I would be well to consider. Uh, maybe, maybe someone else has another experience I should look at. Maybe I should think about other people. There's a fine line, though. There's a delicate balance in this. They don't want to think about other people too much. Actually... That's not politically correctness. I was going to say, maybe that's political correctness run a buck, but that's not it. You know why we're really so fascinated and why some folks are so fascinated with political correctness? The real answer is selfishness. It's not really thinking about other people. It's something completely different. I don't want to make that case when we come back. And we're going to talk about that First Amendment and why these people have completely gotten it wrong. CBS fires Charlie Rose. That's the latest headline I'm looking at right now. Wow. 
Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Want to hear from you too? We'll talk to uh, talk to some folks coming up next. Also on Twitter, you can hit me at Mister Justin Barclay. Love to hear from you there. Justin at JustinBarclay dot com on the website. Just getting things started, man. We're only one hour down. You're stuck with me for another couple hours. Pat Gray is unleashed, like literally unleashed, and getting ready to get filled with turkey this week. So you're stuck with me. I apologize, but hey, we'll make the most of it. Right after this, we're back next on The Blaze. Pat Gray Unleashed on The Blaze Radio Network. Gray is here on the Blaze Radio Network. Pat Gray is not here. Maybe he's there. I'm not sure where. But I'm going to tell you, I appreciate being here with you today. My name's Justin Barkley, and I'm in for Pat. Always a pleasure when I get to come hang out with you on the Blaze. I was just looking. They were telling me here, hey, did you see this story about Oliver Stone? So, okay, oh, all right, let me throw, uh, there's another one. CBS has fired Charlie Rose, and that's, a, I didn't, I mean, did you see that coming? Guys walking around naked in front of people? Well, I mean, Charlie? Charlie. This is like a say-it-ain't-so moment. Uh, I wanna get, We'll get into uh, Representative Conyers a little bit later. We'll save that for a little later. Melissa Gilbert, though, has come out accusing Oliver Stone of sexual harassment. We'll talk a little bit further about that. Um I was just reading this. I was just reading this one website. I didn't realize Jeffrey Tambor from the Transparent Show. He actually plays a he's a pretty good role in that show. I mean, he's the. So what are they going to do if he's gone? What now? What happens? They throw somebody else in there. I don't know. My point is, is I can't keep up with all this anymore. I really can't. I don't know who's. Who's in, who's out? It's really confusing. Join with me right now, a good friend, uh, marketing director at M Live here locally. He's uh, this guy I had the pleasure of working with. I even lived with this guy at one point. Thankfully, neither of us walked around naked in front of each other. Eric Holkern, how are you? I'm good, my friend. How are you? Whether we were on or off the clock, none of that weird stuff happened, which was nice. No, no. <laughs> no, none of it. Uh, the reason I wanted to talk to you today is the conversation we were just talking about earlier. And, you know, I, I've got several thoughts on this, but I love the, to, to talk to you about because you really this is like your your core argument. Uh, and one of the one of the issues that you love to talk about, Eric, amongst other things, is uh, an educator. Uh, and you do a here we go. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, no, you do a heck of a job. You do teach a you teach a communications class, uh, mass media, um, and, and I've had a chance to speak at those classes. You've invited me in, uh, and I have no idea why, but uh, it's fun to talk to these kids. What's really interesting, though, I just want to touch on this: is the 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 this huge ginormous gap we're starting to see now, Eric. 
with the like some of the kids that you're teaching versus where we are, do you see the generation gap now? I mean, how how big is that? Profound. Oh, oh it's it's and this would be the first semester I could tell you that I've seen it in a way that um it, yeah, it was stunning when you finally see it and go, "Oh, okay, this is this is where we are now." Got it. Give me the example. What was it that made you see that gap? What was it that stood out to you the most? Well, you know, and I, I know um, you wanted to talk a little bit about free speech, but I, I think the the gap that I'm talking about is the gap between what offends you versus what is offensive versus what is protected speech versus what isn't protected speech. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the the insulation, I should say, from the real world is probably the biggest thing that I'm beginning to notice. So, you know, you had you had some some I guess some some people that wanted to cover some some topics or some things in class in presentations or in conversations with with what their their project was. Uh, and that's where kind of the, the issues came out. What did you notice with yes. the with with, with with the students specifically? Well, I just, you know, it was um, obviously without getting into details because they're, they're also protected human beings. Um, you know, it was a male student, and, you know, the assignment was to talk about a mass media issue that affects you or interests you. And the assignment was to talk about both sides of the issue and then pick a side and either say, this is what I would do if, or I'm not sure I, what I would do because this seems like too complex of an issue. And so in this particular instance, um, the gentleman who was presenting was talking about the over-sexualization of uh, commercials in media and the fact that, you know, it's, it's everywhere. It's hard to avoid if you're, you know, t- trying to raise kids, male or female. Um, and, you know, off of your Charlie Rose comments and Oliver Stone comments a minute ago, you know, it feels like sex is everywhere and it's hard to gain a moral compass in the universe when that's how we're marketing to people 24 seven. That was his presentation. Um, and immediately upon ending it, one of the students felt that he didn't come down hard enough on rape culture. And I stopped it there because, you know, it's hard to manage a conversation like that. So we didn't get much further, but that was when I went home and went, Oh, okay, this is fascinating. Cause he was doing a, 10 minute presentation about how commercials are too sexy and that wasn't hard enough. So that was interesting for me. So we have this, uh, this issue when it comes to free speech, people's opinions, uh, and ideas. I, ideally at an education, an institute of higher learning. (laughs) Yeah. Right. You would have yeah. this. You would have the free flow of ideas, the exchange. You would be able to challenge one another and bounce these ideas off of each other. Um, however, as we're seeing, not only in institutions, I'm not saying that the place where you you teach is doing this, but you're seeing not only in institutions that are doing this when it comes to c- kind of. Let's just say they're building walls, more walls than they are, uh, you know, freeways for these ideas to flow back and forth or rivers or whatever you want to call it. Right. Uh, uh, there, there's a there's an accepted point of view. There's an accepted uh, ideology. And then everything else is 
is kind of off the table. Students are starting to do this with each other now and to each other. Well, and what was fascinating, Justin, is the fact that this doesn't show up until the last week of class. Like we had had some pretty interesting discussions about net neutrality and, you know, the use of Twitter in politics and, and even the use of the platforms, you know, subverting messages that the platforms don't agree with one way or the other. And so we had had some interesting conversations, but then you just reach a point where we're not going to talk about this stuff anymore and this is the direction we're going to go. One of the things that I think that that were that I I know the point I was making before you joined us is that I think that's why we're here. Uh, we got a technology uh, society, the culture, whatever, whatever. I mean, it's probably a number of things that kind of uh, builds us up as the individual and puts us in our own little bubbles uh, to where you know, nobody else's ideas are important. People, other people aren't important. Really, at the end of the day, what's important is me. And I honestly think that's where the political correctness comes from. I think a lot of times people want to, uh, they call it virtue signaling, right? They want a virtue signal to talk about how great they are, not really because they really care about doing good for other people, but look at me and look at how great I am, right? Uh, and you're, and that you're about to see that all month long with the paying it forward. So, so uh, you know, that's an interesting piece of this too. Now, some of these things can do good. The others, uh, it's like another, it's like any other tool. You know, it, it can go the opposite way. Let me ask you: When you talk about freedom of speech, and we talk about. Uh, freedom of speech and the politically what it means as far as the constitution is concerned versus what people now consider it to mean when it i mean some of these stories are just absolutely absurd colin kaepernick is suing the league the nfl because he believes he's being blackballed well if that's not crazy enough you go further into this kathy griffin is mad because she thinks she's being blacklisted in in Hollywood, um, people don't have to employ you if, in fact, what you are saying or what you are doing is going to cause harm to their business. Am I wrong or am I right? You are not wrong. I I would say just for my own comfort level. Um, those two instances um, are different on a lot of levels. And oh, absolutely. The, yeah. You know, Kathy Griffin being surprised is literally the silliest thing I might have heard this year, which is saying a and, lot. Um, and, the, and the fact that she is making a big deal out of it, I think it's all part of the, I feel like this is all part of the promotion. At the end of the day, this is self-serving. This is to make her feel better. Like, look at me. I'm such a victim. Yep. I have, uh, I have, you know, I'm a martyr here in the in the fight, uh, and I don't know uh, Colin Kaepernick as as well so, uh, or as much. I can't really tell you uh, what his idea, like why he's doing what he's doing, other than uh, to say that you know, look, it's a very, it's a very tough, touchy conversation. It's uh, it's something that. The, the NFL owners have decided that they don't want any part of now. Should they be forced to hire this guy and play this? I mean, if they can't be forced to hire him, should they also be forced and can they be forced to play him? Should he have to start every game too just because he wants to? 
well, I mean, that would that would be a nice way to go through life if we could get to things just because we want them. Um, right. You know, I, I would say parsing these two arguments, right? Like Colin Kaepernick at no point in effigy or otherwise attempted to decapitate the current president, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah which right. is what Cat, which is what Kathy Lee, um, Kathy did. Um, yeah. I would say the NFL thing gets a little bit interesting just because of the mixed messages you're seeing. Like they've, some of them are for it, some of them are against it. So I think for the common person to figure out what side they're on, to me, it becomes a little bit difficult, especially when you're dealing with it. But when you're talking about the idea of free speech, the NFL can actually do do whatever they would like to do. Um, You are protected. Free speech is protected in the constitution. um, And by one of my uh, favorite uh, Supreme Court justices, Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes, famously said um, the line of demarcation is if it presents a clear and present danger to the people around you. And the example that gets used a lot is you cannot say or scream fire in a crowded movie theater because that creates clear and present danger for those people around you when there's not actually a fire. So that's kind of the line you draw in the sand. However, you are protected to say whatever you want to say, but when you're dealing with private businesses, they do not need to hire you because they don't agree with your views. That is also their right. And that to me, and you and I have talked about this a lot off the air, that to me is where this gets really, really sticky for people is that they feel that their free speech is different than others' free speech, and then you get the rub, right? Ah, uh-huh. Well, and, and you make an interesting point, Eric. Eric Holkren joins us right now, good friend, and uh, this guy is a director of marketing at MLife.com here in Michigan, the major uh, newspaper and uh, and, and web uh, reporting channel here. I guess the, the thing I would say, man, is that isn't my free speech more freer and speechier than yours? <laughs> it is not, <laughs> you know, is it, by any stretch of the imagination. Isn't that the world that we live in? It's like if we're just trying out, we're out there like trying to out-yell each other. Yeah, well, and, and you know, you were, you were talking about this a minute ago. I, I think the tools that we're using amplify that divisiveness regardless of the, who is in charge, right? You, you saw a lot of this in the Obama administration as, as much as you're seeing in the Trump administration is that it's too convenient, I feel, to blame it on an administration if that's why the country is divided. The country is divided because – what we're talking about right now is not the core of what we want to lean into as a society. You should be able to have a point of view. I should be able to disagree with it. And you and I should still be able to grab a beer. Amen to that. Yeah. And, uh, or whatever kind of weird drink that you want to drink. Coffee, tea, doesn't matter. We should be able to sit down and talk about our differences and try and find common ground. And you say this famously probably 80 times a month is that we have more in common than we do not in common. And, but we're not taking enough time to figure that stuff out because we go straight for the red meat or the low-hanging fruit. So we have something to argue about so that we, to your point a couple minutes ago, get the clicks, get the likes, get the comments, get the shares, uh, because that's how we're going to measure our worth in life now is our digital currency or our social media currency. That kind of takes us where I wanted to go with the fact that you know you 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 studied this social media. This is your your job, you know. You, this is what you have to know. Um, is that 
How much is that responsible? Uh, the idea that, you know, I can go on Facebook or Twitter even is even better and say whatever I want. Uh, for the most part, on, there's some places where you get shut down and some of these, some of these, these, uh, these apps, they will shut you down. Um, if you violate their terms, but you have a right to say what you want, but you may not have a right to be heard. Yes, both. I think both of those things are true. Um, and I think on Twitter, that lesson you learn a little bit quicker, <laughs> right? Yeah, right? Because you can tweet stuff out that no one responds to. So you learn that pretty quick that you can say whatever you want, but you don't deserve to be heard. On Facebook, it gets a little bit different because of the way in which, um, if we're going to talk very specifically about your personal page, the way in which that works is you likely have surrounded yourself and your personal page with people who talk like you, think like you, act like you. So your echo chamber only serves to reinforce your point of view. And they do the, yeah, go get them all day long on Facebook. So you want, you want that reciprocation. You want that hit of uh, dopamine to your brain, right? That's what happens when you get a like or a comment or a share. Dopamine tells you that's a good thing, like a hit of drug. Uh, a drug hit, whatever you want to take. Um, and you want that over and over and over again. It's why most people have their notifications turned on on their phone. So the little red one tells them how much they're worth today. Um, and so you continue to put out whatever your point of view is be it, because it gets you the attention until that runs out of getting you attention specifically to Facebook. And then you have to get crazier and crazier and crazier. And that's usually when you start walking into this territory where you want your free speech to be both protected and your own and then protect you from any sort of consequences because you wrote it. Trolling and scrolling. That's what I call it. Yeah. Hang on, uh, Eric Holcren. Hang on. we got to take a break. Uh, maybe that's a good social engineering explanation of how social media has led us to this point. How do we fix it? What do we do? Let's look at solution oriented ideas around this i mean do we ever snap out of this does does this is this just the new norm we'll talk more next you can join us too at triple a nine hundred thirty three ninety three and for pack ready today on unleashed it's justin barkley in the blaze pat gray on the blaze radio network For Pat today, Justin Barkley on the Blaze. You can join us at AAA 933 and also Justin at JustinBarkley.com, my email. I'm on Twitter as uh, at Mr. Justin Barkley. Eric Holcren, a good friend on the phone with me, is the director of marketing at uh, MLive.com, local uh, Michigan. Uh, I mean, this thing's, you, you, you like span a huge region, Michigan, Ohio. I mean, uh, you guys are taking over the world. We're, we're trying, yes. Uh, but you deal with social media. You're also uh, a teacher. You teach uh, mass media, um, local schools, well, college here. Um, so you're dealing with this stuff on a daily basis. And one of the things that we're talking about is this idea that free speech uh, isn't free. Um, whether it's paid for uh, by the blood of the folks that have sacrificed to give us the right to do those things, to say what we need to say, or um, 
in fact, that, that, that there are consequences that go along with what you say uh, on a daily basis, no matter what we're talking about. Somebody doesn't like, and you know this, as somebody that uh, was, you know, you worked on the radio and uh, we worked together for, for many, many years. There were many people that didn't like what we said at different times. Yeah. And, and in this day and age, I mean, they, you could be fired in no time flat for for saying something. It happens. That is very true. So uh, the fact that Colin Kaepernick is uh, is a little upset that he, um, and I get it, listen, uh, the, the this is all he has left now. He's kind of thrown every piece of his entire career, any anything that he possibly had at one point away. Um what can you do in a situation if you're if you're this guy? Warren Moon, by the way, uh TMZ caught up with him and and had asked him questions about, you know, what do you think about Colin Kaepernick, what do you think about the situation? Should he be hired? Should he be playing somewhere else right now? Um, what about the lawsuit against the league? And he basically said the same thing. He said he this guy, he has thrown away his NFL career. Um, your your speech, as admirable as the cause might be, or what you're talking about, it echoes in eternity what we say and do. It absolutely does, and the consequences um, are part of that price that we're going to have to pay. you got to know that going into it, and if you still make that call, then I guess that's fine. Here's a little bit of uh What do you make about Colin Kaepernick and the Houston Texans, and, and if that should have happened? Well, I think if it was up to the football people, it probably would have happened. If it was up to Bill O'Brien and Rick Smith, probably, but I think the owner uh, – Bob McNair has a lot to, a lot of say so as to who the personnel is, especially a controversial fig, figure like Colin Kaepernick, whether he wants him to come to his football team or not. And I'm sure that's where it got axed. Um, I just don't think any team is going to sign Colin from this point on just because of the lawsuit that he has against the league and against the owners. I just don't think they're going to enter into that. Uh, and and I, I thought, if anything, if he was going to file a lawsuit, he maybe should have waited till this season was over. Uh, if he did want to play this year, because it was almost like, does he really want to play if he's going to go and sue the league and then also try and get signed by a football team? The two just don't seem to mix. You can't have your cake and eat it too, I guess, in this situation. The guy's radioactive. And to, to act like he's not, and, and that people should just be willing and ready to pick him up. If there's a team that wants to do that, fine. You know, uh, go for it. But if if not, uh, what what do they say? Hey, tough luck, man. You know, um, Eric, why why when we look forward here as far as the uh, solution here, why do I feel like I, I I just don't know if there's any way out of this with the social media? It's not like people are going to just put their phones down. They're going to get off of Facebook or Twitter. Uh, we're kind of evolving. This is the new norm. Why do I feel kind of helpless here? Well, I, I think because it's, it's overwhelming. But the, the thing I would say is you have your own personal responsibility to consume, produce, create, and curate everything that you put out there. So if you, Justin, and I'll speak to you because obviously you're here, you know, if you feel overwhelmed and you've done a really, really great job of this, you combat that by 
being open to other points of view. You combat that by using your Facebook page, your Twitter page, and your Instagram page to portray positivity and put things into the world that you think move it forward instead of backwards. And if one person hears this and decides to start doing that, that's how you see these things shift and change. And when you talk about Colin Kaepernick, the thing I would say is owning what he said is what he started doing until he realized, and I'm putting supposition here, until he realized what were going to be the consequences. And so the response was to sue the league, which obviously puts him in this really weird position where you were kneeling because you felt it was an important issue. But now that you were the first one to do it because you felt it was so important and you've seen a lot of people do the same thing and not seeing the repercussions that you've seen, you feel justly or unjustly um, wronged and you're looking to right that wrong. But the thing is, as you said a minute ago, you were the one who wanted to put your foot down and say that this was the thing that was worth paying attention to and you've got to own that stuff, no matter what the consequence is, fair or otherwise. Because I think you and I would both agree, Justin, that when when we show up on the planet, nobody tells us, hey, this is a fair place where everything that's supposed to happen, happens. Have a fun time. Eric Holkren, hang on, hang on, hold the phone. We'll be back right after this. We'll get a break for a quick break, bottom of the hour. We're back right after this on The Blaze. And for Pack Ray, I'm Justin. Gray, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Now back to Pat Gray on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, so Eric Holcren joins me right now. We've been talking about free speech, freedom of speech, the First Amendment, and whether or not it's free or not, really. And, uh, you know, listen, uh, are there consequences? Colin Kaepernick, specifically. Um, <laughs> boy, there are consequences for so many things here. I feel like we are, are are seeing a lot of this pop up in the news. No, we're talking not talking about speech. Some of it might be spoken. Some of it might be actions. That seems to be the swarm, the storm that is swirling around us right now. Uh, Eric, I got to ask you though, if we can, let's talk about maybe some some of the more serious topics, uh, stuff that I know you're just avoiding, which is uh, truthfully uh, stuffing or dressing. Which which one do you call it? Is it stuffing um, or is it dressing? We got a poll, by the way, on, on Twitter. I'll tell you what the Twitter's saying here in a second. I feel in our 10-year relationship that this is your favorite game to play, is to put the food nerd on the radio and then make fun of him for his food nerdery. That's, that's um, right. Because it's dressing when it's in the bird. It's stuffing when it's in the oven. No, 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 no. It's the other way around, isn't it? Stuffing no, when I it's in the bird? So. Yeah, no, I don't it, think so. Well, don't they stuff it in the bird? That's why you would call it stuffing, right? I'm going Am I wrong on this? I might have been regardless. wrong. This, this... Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. No, you are absolutely right. I'm looking it up right now. But anyway, I call it stuffing. Okay, good. I'm glad we got research on this. <laughs> uh, oh, here we go. Oh, the Huffington Post is weighed in. That's why we know this is legit, you know? 
Yes. Uh, are stuffing and dressing the same thing or not is their question. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you call it? Do you do we do the stuffing or the dressing? Me, it's stuffing. It is stuffing. Is that because of stovetop when you were like growing up? This, hey, Ma, will you make the stovetop tonight? No, no, no. That's <laughs> not why. Just in my family, we call it stuffing. Oh, man. I feel like I always came up with a dressing. Is dressing a Southern thing? I swear. I, Pete, you need to let me know, people. 888 I, I brought this up kind of as a joke, but now I'm really kind of into this, and I need to know. Maybe because I grew up kind of close to the South-ish, like in Indiana, on the border near Kentucky. So I think like it's not necessarily Mason-Dixon line there, but if you're if, if people had accents, so that... That kind of counts. Well, and it's Kentucky, as, right? As your as your ad hoc producer, according to the Butterball uh, site, they say that uh, all the states that you just mentioned call it dressing, um, and it's not really a southern thing. It's just pockets of the United States. So that's like the Coke pop soda thing. Exactly. All right. See, I I always felt like it was dead. So seventy two percent on the Twitter's poll right now say uh, it is stuffing. Twenty eight percent say it's dressing. I'm I'm I maybe yeah, this is just a geographic thing and that's why I'm losing out as far as um as far as Huffington Post question the question is are are they the same thing or not Every year around November the same old this is this is clearly somebody that's just trolling for clicks Julia R. Thompson <laughs> writing us let's put the issue to rest Oh, it was written. It was written two days ago. I wonder what the traffic must be big on this, because I just googled it and it popped right up in the Googles. Every year, we believe it to be a simple answer. Stuffing is what you call the delicious mix of bread with aromatics and other fillings that's cooked inside the bird, and dressing is what you call it when you cook that same bread mixture outside the bird. She says, "Well, this is mostly true. Unfortunately." That wouldn't make for an interesting article, so I had to write about 500 more words or letters or whatever. Right. I had more stuff to fill. <laughs> so the answer is not quite as clear cut, she says. I'll go in the morning. Yeah, it's a regional thing. We'll talk a little bit more of that. Can I ask you, though, before you go, because you used to do this Friendsgiving thing where you would kind of have people over and make that that bird and the and the stuffing and all that. and dressing or whatever you want to call it now one year i i think my dog actually ended up underneath your bed with the carcass of the turkey no 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 um, on, on top of on top of the bed, not <laughs> the bed on top of the bed snarling he was unleashed by the way uh snarling and uh and ready to take a limb off if you came any closer uh how did you, <laughs> how did you get out of that one alive uh i literally just used the comforter and Booted your dog off of the bed with the comforter and then grabbed the yeah. carcass to stop the turkey demolition that was happening on my bed. God, there is nothing that I can do to apologize. I can't. There's nothing I can do to apologize for that. I, I, you, you are not <sighs> much like, much like free speech, Justin. You are not responsible for the actions of your dog. I feel like your this is going to come out. Saw, saw a dog saw a chicken car- carcass and just wanted to own it. So he owned it. Okay, so so what are you making when it comes to this? Do you uh, do you go crazy? Do you go like uh, gourmet? Because one of the things that I really have enjoyed, and I don't get to have it unless I'm like home visiting uh, relatives, 
is uh, my cousin's husband does this really, it's amazing, oyster dressing. And that's probably where I get the idea of the dressing, right? But he does oyster dressing, and it is unreal. And when you say that to people, there are two kinds of people in the world. There are people that just fall in love, and there are people that just kind of vomited a little bit right now in the back of their mouth just like a little bit there like oh god what is he talking about it sounds horrible but you know what i'm saying so so do you ever dress it up the dressing uh no i've got a, a an age-old family recipe that i tend to use um and so while i've never made the oyster dressing i can attest that it's delicious i just have never never done it mm, i gotta tell you man uh it is something to something to behold do you use a cornbread in your stuffing, or do you go straight to the box, Eric? Oh no! I mean, these are um, these are questions that uh, the inquiring minds want to know, right? No, um, I like my dressing a little bit sweeter, so I do something a little bit crazy. I use challah bread and dry it out, and use that as the breadcrumbs. So I uh, go to a bakery around here and get a loaf, and then cut it into cubes and use that. Really? really? Um, can we talk about something really kind of scary before you go? It's kind of a tech thing, and it's a privacy issue, and I'm just curious. Um, have you ever done or thought about doing the DNA testing kits? No. Um, as someone who was adopted, I kind of feel like there are some things that i like to know as far as, you know, reaching out to my, my birth parents. Um, you know, medical history, that kind of thing. Uh, DNA testing would be kind of fun because then you can get a little bit of an idea about what you might have markers for, you might want to look out for, that sort of thing, right? They talk about that. There's even some, like, uh, suggestion when it comes to um, you should eat certain kind of foods that this diet would be good for you, that one wouldn't be good for you based upon uh, DNA. Now... The scariest article in the history of articles I read the other day uh, is all about this DNA, 23andMe, Ancestry.com, all this stuff was was really freaky. Um, This is according to uh, an article. Police can now, by the way, request your DNA, and they would do this with a warrant from 23andMe and and, and Ancestry. And matter of fact, they can actually use this. This, uh, whoops, they could actually use this information to, I'm pulling the article right now, this this stupid video is playing, I apologize. Um, But they can use this information to come after you or prove you guilty or innocent of a crime, probably most likely would be guilty, even if you haven't submitted your DNA to these places. Wow. What you're asking right now is how would they do that? How would they have my DNA? Well, it turns out they don't need your DNA. They could likely use the DNA of a family member who shipped off their saliva to one of these companies, and law enforcement could request that and genetic information for what's called familial matching. How freaked out, how scared are you right now, Eric Oker? Wow. Um, Yeah, that's... That's pretty frightening, actually. Isn't it? Isn't it frightening? And I know when we, you and I have had conversations about, like, uh, you know, the terms and uh, uh, the agreement and all that stuff on, on all these things that we just absolutely click and don't care about. We just boom, boom, boom. Get, just let me in. Uh, there's so much. Let me that, in. Yeah. 
yeah, it's just real life stuff. There's so much in there, but let alone, uh, you have no idea what's what's going to happen uh, when it comes to some of these privacy issues down the road of things that we haven't even begun to think about yet or even dream of. I'll post this article. I can tell. I can yeah, tell I mean, you're, you're speechless. You're so time. scared. You're you're. Well, like I mean, you know, to your point, when these things pop up, I, how do you respond to that? Because I don't know. In this scenario that you painted, like I'm not even in control of that. I know. I don't know. I, I mean, aside from maybe there's some sort of law at some point passed that we can't do that sort of thing or that they can't give that stuff up. But you know what? The weird thing is, is once you kind of like break the dam, once it's been broken, once the floodgates have been lifted, uh, it's really hard to get those uh, those turkeys back into the corral, isn't it? And it's even harder to stuff them or, uh, in fact, dress them, whichever might be your preference. <laughs> That was worth that was worth the trip right there, my friend. That was. Ah, uh, it's Eric Colkin, ladies and gentlemen, in live.com. Where where can f- folks find you? Polymath and Vine dot com as well. Your blog and website. You can find me at polymathandvine.com, or you can find me on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and the like at Eric Holtgren. H U L T G R E N. He's kind of a big deal. All you have to do is Google him. Just just Google him, right? You do. Yeah, if you Google that, you'll you'll find me. It's not quite as good as Seth Godin that you can just do Eric. You do have to have the last name, but you'll find me. Oh, that's a good one. Eric, appreciate you, man. Love you. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving, you brother. You too, buddy. 888 uh, I'm pulling his leg. A little bit of a wishbone here and there. I like to have fun with that guy, and he's always a good time. Uh, but I want to hear from you, too. We can grab the phone calls at 888 Coming up, you're going to be doing any traveling? Going to be doing any traveling at all? I want to know. Listen, I, I I don't know about you. I have not flown since some of these new, uh, like, TSA issues that have popped up. Oh, man. The new pat-downs? Uh, a guest coming up. Going to talk about that here in moments as well. Quick break. Back right after this on The Blaze. This is Pat Gray. The Blaze Radio Network. Gray. Justin Barkley in for Pat Gray today. This is Unleashed. AAA 933 is the number we're talking about. Uh, stuffing, dressing. Mike has a definitive answer in North Carolina. Are you a true Southerner there, Mike? Oh, yes. Born and raised. So in the yeah. South, is it, what is the technical uh, term in the South? Okay. It's um like with dressing, that's what you put on your salad. But stuffing—that's what you put in your bird, and on this on the stovetop, the stovetop stuffing. That I mean, it says it on the box. <laughs> but the real—it does issue say is that's like, true. Yeah, it's right. Yeah, yeah, and like popping soda. Like, okay, so you say you want a soda. Well, I still have to ask it. Well, what do you want? Pepsi, Coke? I mean, what do you want? So we down here, we just say you want to you want a drink, you want a Pepsi, or you want a Coke. I, I'm going to ask you what I have. If I just say soda, then we still have to go through another conversation. Well, what is that? What do you want? See, you Mike, I mean? 
I know what you mean, but I got to tell you, where I was grew up, it was Coke. Everything was Coke. Yeah, I'm gonna have a Coke. All right, what kind of Coke? Right. Hey, what kind of Coke do you have? That's what people would say. They'd be like, "What kind oh, of yeah. Coke do you have?" You know. And that, that, so that means everything, like Pepsi, Sprite, Mountain Dew, soft drinks. Soft yeah, any sort. Of, okay, there yeah. you go. Yeah, so here you go. Here's another one. You want a drink, or you want a drink? Now, a drink has alcohol in it. A drink Absolutely. is a regular drink. Yeah. <laughs> You drink. That's why you got to drink a little drink. You know what I mean? <laughs> there you go. There you go. You're doing Mike, great, I, man. I appreciate you calling in. I think you uh, weighing in on this is going to help us get to, you know, really we need to find some common ground in this country, and I think that's what that's what can bring us together is uh, is, is this bird and, of course, there the stuffing. Even whether you stuff it or not, you know? Appreciate it, man. Have a good one. 888 am not going to st- – I, I'm not gonna for just for uh, a hygienical reasons. I'm not. I would would not want to stuff that bird. I, I'm gonna cook that uh, dressing, like I said, on the side. It's just me though. I don't know. It's just me. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three is the number. She said a powerful congressman harassed her. Here's why you didn't hear her story. Buzzfeed reporting. When you make private settlements, it doesn't warn the next woman or the next person going into that situation. Michigan Representative John Conyers, a Democrat and the longest-serving member of the House of Representatives, settled a wrongful dismissal complaint in 2015 with a former employee who alleged she was fired because she would not succumb to his sexual advances. Boy, this is written. Documents from the complaint obtained by BuzzFeed News include four signed affidavits, three of which are notarized from former staff members who allege that Conyers, the ranking Democrat on the powerful House Judiciary Committee, repeatedly made sexual advances to female staff that included requests for sex acts, contacting and transporting other women with whom they believed Conyers was having affairs caressing their hands sexually and rubbing their legs and backs in public. Four people involved with the case verified the documents are authentic. Uh, and after this, by the way, the woman gets blackballed. Now, now listen, Colin Kaepernick, uh, uh, Kathy uh, Griffin, this is a, this is probably like a legitimate use of that, uh, you know, of that terminology. She blows the whistle. She comes out. She speaks up. They have a settlement. And now she says there's nowhere she could go. In a phone interview with BuzzFeed News, who they say they're withholding her name at her request because she fears retribution. Last week, the New York or the Washington Post reported Congress's Office of Compliance paid out $17 million. So this is the real thing. How much money have we have we paid out as a government, right? Congress's Office of Compliance paid out seventeen million dollars for two hundred and sixty four settlements with federal employees over twenty years for various violations, including sexual harassment. Conyers documents, however, give a glimpse into the inner workings of the office, which has for decades concealed episodes of sexual abuse by powerful public figures. Do I doubt that that kind of thing is happening? No, I don't. I don't doubt it. 
it's one after the other after the next now. And you got to wonder why why do we just hear about it now? Has the dam broken? And and it's it's that's why I bring this conversation up again. There's another one. I, I talked about this earlier. Oh, there's another. I didn't know this one. Melissa Gilbert. I can't keep up with this. Here I am. You know, I, I do like a show here locally in Michigan, so I try to stay on top of this stuff. Then I get to come on and I get to talk with you, so I got to stay like a little more hyper vigilant than I would throughout the day. And uh, I can't, I mean, I, I, I'm looking at all the different news, this, that, and the other thing, and I, got, I guess this was on Drudge, so I, I just missed it. But Melissa Gilbert accuses Oliver Stone of sexual harassment. They're coming out so fast you can't even keep up with it. It's like drinking through a fire hose. It's like drinking through a fire. You can't, you can't keep up with this anymore. Which makes you wonder and makes you think about this in, in a legitimately, like, how do you, if you can't keep up with them, how do you make sure that we're paying the right amount of attention to a subject? Or make sure that we're giving something the right amount of focus or energy, right? I, I don't know. I mean, how do you keep up? Gail King, Nora O'Donnell respond to Charlie Rose allegations. This is on the uh, CBS This Morning show. Now, they sat next to this man for years. Here comes the bus. They're about to throw him right underneath. Watch this. A lot about yes, this and it takes a lot of courage for these women to come forward. Mm -hmm. And I think that they should continue to do something i gotta tell you just being immediate like period part of the thing is you have to think about like what the heck is the right thing to say what can i say here or what am i supposed to say here and i'm sure there's probably like somebody helping write this i know how cbs works of course there was lawyers there were people behind the scenes writing this whole thing for them and they had to talk about all this and try and figure out exactly what they're going to say but what the heck do you say because you got to be careful because what you say now is going to be the story on top of the story. To we do hope so. that they will continue to speak up. Yeah. Um, I also want to say this, that this is a moment. This was written, by the way. Everything else you got to the first part, that, that, that was all improv, kind of like impromptu stuff, okay? This is, they're just having, they're having what they call that, you know, that, uh, that talk, you know, just, this is some talking time here, talking together. Then she looks at the camera and she prepares to read her prepared state talked a lot about yeah. this so here we go. it takes a lot of courage for these women to come forward mm -hmm. and i think that they should continue to do something to, to we do hope so that they will continue to speak up yeah um i also want to say this that this is a moment that demands a frank and honest assessment about where we stand and more generally the safety of women let me be very clear there is no excuse for this alleged behavior it is systematic and pervasive and I've been doing a lot of listening, and I'm going to continue to do that. This I know is true. Women cannot achieve equality in the workplace or in society until there is a reckoning and a taking of responsibility. I read that. I don't know about you folks, but I read that as revenge. That the reckoning to me sounds more like revenge. And I understand when we're wrong, when we feel wrong, we really feel that uh, that urge 
to fight back to get back. But there is a difference between revenge and justice. And we need to be careful about who we throw underneath the bus in our quest for that reckoning, in our quest for that revenge. Justice is a different thing. Justice is an entirely different animal. Justice is what's right in all of these cases. So we take a breath, we take a pause, we are measured and we are balanced, and that should be our approach as a society and as a country when we're looking at these things. That's what works. That's what ought to be anyway. Whether or not we follow that model, that role, or we follow the mob remains to be seen. Speaking of mob, more of these stories. We'll continue to bring those out to you as well. Uh, join us on the phone, 888 Jeremy in Texas. I'm going to grab you coming up here in a second. Some scary story about DNA and his kids. You don't want to miss it. Coming up next, in for Pat Gray today, Unleashed. I'm Justin Barkley. This is The Blaze. Pat Gray, only on the Blaze Radio Network. is here on the blaze radio network that's very confusing every time i hear that pat gray is here i'm thinking well hold on did he just show up to kick me out what's going to pat sorry pat i'm just keeping the seat warm man hey it's justin justin barkley and uh filling in for pat today on the blaze honor and a privilege to be here with you as always uh just after wow the top of the, the third hour we're into the third hour now you only stuck with me for we got one more hour left and then three more tomorrow, and then I'm done. You can boot me out for good. Like a male turkey. <laughs> Did you hear that? Like the lifespan, they just told me. The lifespan, three years for a male turkey. Yum, yum, give me some. Let's gobble that up. Jeremy in Texas, we'll start with you. The state of Texas, this is kind of a really, uh, this is kind of a scary story, Jeremy. The state of Texas and the DNA of your kids, man. Welcome to the show. How are you? Oh, I'm doing just fine. How about yourself? I'm all right. But what what happened, and why does the the state have your kids' DNA? Well, I was at home, and my three children came home with uh, their uh, DNA lineage from Ancestry.com, and I said, you know, where did this come from? Yeah. Oh, well, several weeks ago they had... Uh, the children, you know, give their DNA as part of a history project, 11, a 13-year-old, and a 17-year-old, and it was to, you know, check out their their uh, their lineage. When we have sure. to pay $3 for something small from the school, and the state of Texas pay for all of these checks. Oh, I mean, wow. 
Yeah, I didn't. I was not even aware there was nothing sent to the house saying that, you know, I mean, they call us on everything the school does. That, you know, whatever they're going to do has to be signed off. They didn't ask for any signatures. I didn't find out until they came home with the paperwork. And they are categorizing our children without even telling the parents before they hit the age of 18 years of age. And when you're speaking in the past hour of, you know, being able to pull warrants and, you know, things of that nature, they already have my children's DNA. Boy, that is scary. You know, these these schools, I mean, we don't have kids yet, but, I mean, it is a scary proposition. We talk about you send your kids off into the world and go to school, and some of these schools they end up going to. Gosh, you don't know. I mean, what are they going to be? What are they going to be subjected to? What are they going to have to deal with when they go to school? And this is just another example of that. So this is kind of wrapped up as, hey, this is a fun project. Your kids are going to go uh, find out where their heritage is, where they come from, you know, all this other stuff, and uh, maybe, and that's cool. Like if you want to do that on your own as a family. But uh, the fact that school is taking what saliva? I mean, it had to be saliva, right? To to get these right, these kids, right? They did saliva swabs on their cheeks. Oh, because when I found wow. when I found out about it, I mean, I I about bounced off the wall, and you know, <laughs> called the school, asked them why they didn't tell us, and you know, their response was, "Oh, it's just a history project," and it's like, well. You know, that costs money. Who paid for it? Oh, well, the state of Texas paid for it. I could be wrong. Uh, I, I don't know the the exact number. But, Jeremy, I, last time I checked, I thought these kits were like a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, they are. They're, so how I know did, that how did, the, 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 the minimum is 50. Yeah, okay. Um, so every kid in the, the state one, of the Texas that, gets that, a free the kit. They were doing. Sorry, go ahead. Every kid in the state of Texas gets a free kit. Is that the deal? Um, I don't know about the whole state. I know that in our in the school district that my children are in, mm-hmm. they did every single child in the whole school. So that tells me something. Uh, somebody's paying for it. There's probably taxpayer dollars lined up, wrapped up in there somewhere, and, and they just don't know about it. And the other piece of this is uh, a very wise man once told me, especially if you look on his social media, you got Facebook, uh, your your Gmail, some of these free. And I use all of it. So listen, don't get me wrong, but what I'm saying is if the service is free, then you're the product. If the serve, right. let me say that again. If the service is free, then you are the product. They now Your have information. a DNA profile of my children before they're even eighteen. The question is, why would they want that? What do they want to do with that? And and uh, I I don't know. What's your thought on that? My thought is, you know, that they're collecting information. Of, uh, you know, so if something later on in life happens, you know, they get DNA, um, you know, of a crime scene or whatever. Well, they've already, you know, gone through and, uh, you know, made a big old list of children 
and they can just put the the DNA profile in, and you know, boom, they get a hit. Which you know, all you got to do is have a, a warrant to hit at ancestry dot com, and yeah. you know, they they could have never done anything wrong. I mean, the DNA is is for you know when they categorize people it's for when you've done wrong. Well, now the state of Texas paid for this program for you know all three schools in the town I live in. Jeremy, I, this is, you know, this is kind of a, we'll have to dig into this a little bit further, but man, this is kind of a disturbing story. I, and as somebody who, I mean, I, I just kind of like to hear about the, you know, privacy issues, things like that. Our next guest will talk a little bit more about privacy, specifically when it comes to when you're traveling this holiday season. Uh, you're going to be out on the road. If you are, if you're flying, and I appreciate your call, Jeremy, but if you're flying, uh, what are you going to have to deal with? Are there new regulations that you need to know about? Uh, are you protected? All important. And, 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 and like I said earlier, the Google and the Gmail and the Facebook, I use all that stuff. I'm a little weirded out by it. I got that new iPhone, and it's got that facial recognition in there. At first, I was kind of freaked out when I gave him my thumbprint, when the iPhone wanted my thumbprint. Now it's got my my facial recognition. I mean. I've just dove all in on this deal. <laughs> I did. I dove. I, I'm like completely. I'm. A, I'm all in at this point. So there's this privacy, security versus, uh, you know, uh, I, I guess convenience. This this whole conversation that has to be had at some point as well. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three is the number. We'll let you join us if you want to uh, join the conversation at any point. Also, Justin at justinbarclay dot com. You can email in. At Mr. Justin Barclay on Twitter. We're back next with our guest right after this. Pat Gray, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Gray is here on the Blaze Radio Network. 888-933-93, the number to join us. You can jump in on the phone anytime you want to. Triple H specs the biggest Thanksgiving weekend travel volume in 12 years. We're not traveling this year. We're kind of close uh, to family for uh, Thanksgiving. Um, I, I like that better here. I have traveled. Thankfully, we don't have to fly a lot. But flying gets, it can get fun. What are you up to in this this season? Are you flying? Are you are you are you driving? Ken Jenkins joins us right now. Talk a little bit about this, and uh, I gotta say, uh, a Ken aviation consultant and expert here, Ken Jenkins LLC dot com. Ken, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, Justin. I'm good, thank you. You know, uh, when it comes to traveling, you can either uh, you can either love it or you can hate it, and a lot of times, <laughs> you know, that's a lot of times. I feel like that's uh that's to deal with kind of the attitude that I that I have going into it. You know what I mean? Uh, whether or not I'm looking forward to it or not. I try. I'm a guy that, like, when I go to a movie, I don't like a lot of crowds, so I try to avoid when the rush is or when the other people are around, you know. I, try, I, 
I try to avoid people. I'm not a shut-in, Ken, but, you know, by all means. But uh, I like to kind of avoid that. This season, right? you're flying right now. You're not avoiding people, are you? No, no, sir. You're not. Uh, you're not. Uh, as a matter of fact, the, the, the number of people traveling this year, and I don't know how we continue to do it each year, it has increased. Um, and while it sounds low, so it's increased only 3%. That's about another 700,000 people added to the air system over Ooh. the six days of travel for the, the Thanksgiving holidays. A lot of people. Now, one of the best things that I've ever done, and I want to talk TSA and safety and all that good stuff too, but is uh, getting this TSA pre-check thing. If you don't fly, I, I, as far as I'm concerned, Ken, all you got to do is fly once for the thing to be worth it. Um, but if you don't fly a lot, you probably, you may be looking and go, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if I want to do that or not. But to me, it was, I, I, it's the best thing we've ever done. I, 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 you know, I don't want to be the, the spokesperson for TSA, but when it comes to pre-check, I am all about it. And I am with you. Um, I actually got it as a, I say as a courtesy, it was a perk that came with uh, the international travel feature called global entry, where you bypass yeah. the lines and you go up to a kiosk and, and use that and, uh, uh, TSA pre-check became part of it. Uh, if you travel internationally um, once or twice a year, I think global entry is worth it as well. I think it's, um, I don't remember the cost. I think it's around 85 to to $100 for um, three to five years, and you get TSA pre-check with it. So get both at the same time. But TSA pre-check's great. I mean, did you ever think that post 9-11 that not having to take your shoes off or removing your computer from your, your bag would be a real perk? But it is. I got to. I, I got to tell you. Not, not only is it that, but but Ken, it's the fact that a lot of these places, um, you're like you're, you're you get to go in a different line. You know what I mean? So people are like piled up in the uh, in the in the regular kind of line. You are in this uh, kind of I don't know, call it the VIP or something. But you're like in this uh, other line where you speed well, right through. It, it, it is nice when that happens, um, although the TSA has recently been under fire, Justin, for um, there have been quite a few complaints popping up where the TSA pre-check lines are longer than the regular check, uh, regular really? check or security check lines. And what? I've had that happen on occasion, um, and, and, and I've seen some folks jump ship out of the TSA pre-check line into regular. Um, yeah. I actually stay in it because even if it's long, it moves up pretty efficiently. Not having to take your shoes off, your belt, your computer out of the bag and whatnot, mm -hmm. it usually goes by pretty quick. It's not very often that that happens, um, but it does. And the recommendation still is, even by TSA, there are some explanations for it. It depends on travel time and peak periods and things like that. But most of the time, you're able to zip through security much faster. Um, and there's another uh, – it's just another way to, to make your travel a little less stressful. So, you know, we're talking about that over the holiday season, whether it be Thanksgiving or you're you're going to be traveling uh, during uh, Christmas or whatnot. All very kind of uh, uh, busy seasons. But, um, you know, I I just wonder um, when you when you kind of look at these kind of tips and tricks, people that travel a lot can they kind of have some secrets that the rest of us don't quite maybe know about what are some things that we need to consider or keep in mind to make sure that this is a little more you know stress-free headache-free 
You know, and I appreciate you asking that because it's the simple things. And, you know, some will call them secrets, and, and, and as you just did. And most of us don't do it. I, I do a lot of the things I'm, I'm going to recommend. So, for example, um, don't wear a lot of bling when you go through security. Take your watch off. Or if you don't have to wear a watch, don't wear the watch. Don't wear a belt that has a huge belt buckle. Don't wear steel pony, uh, point, uh, steel-tipped shoes, if you will, that, have, that are on the inside of the, of the, the shoe. If you're going to wear sneakers, great. Slip-ons with rubber soles are great um, because they're not going to trip the, the metal detector. Um, I'll often watch um, uh, female passengers go through, and they'll have seven or eight bracelets on. It's typically, typically going to trip the metal detector, even in pre-check. Take those off before you go or don't wear them. Pack them and wear them as an accessory when you get there, um, when you get to your final destination. Um, other things that you can do are things um, simple as, and this, this really is some people don't like this, but get to the airport an hour and a half to two hours before departure. And, and that's not you're parking the car two hours. You're walking into the terminal two hours before because there are times where, where, and where you'll see the backup, Justin, is the night before or the morning of your flight, there are storms in your area, and it backlogs everything, and the security lines get really lo- long, and you think, oh, I'm just going to zip right through, and you're not going to because there have been a lot of cancellations. People have had to come out and go to the ticket counter, and that creates a long line, and you're stuck in security even with pre-check. So the earlier you can get there, get through, be stress-free, go to a little shopping before your flight. If you can check your bags and pay for them, great. But one of the biggest tips, and check with the airline, is many times if you check your bag at the gate, the airline doesn't charge you for it. So if you're at the ticket counter and check a bag, they may charge you for it. But if you gate check it, they don't. So you can check with the airline first, but you can get to the gate and the airline will tell you usually if you're one of the the last people to board that they'll gate check it for free. That's just something that not everybody knows. It's a great way to get your bag checked. And usually, not always, but usually if it's the last bag put on the plane, it's the first bag off. And you're not going to wait that long to get your bag when you get to your destination. I like that. These are good tips. You know, I'm thinking about the, the TSA pre-check. We flew down to uh, Key West last spring for spring break and... Uh, they didn't have uh, a pre-check coming back there, but they did have kind of like a different style of, um, I, I guess they were doing kind of less of a, it wasn't a separate line, but it was kind of less of a check. Um, do, kind of my question here, Ken, is that do all these, do all of these places, all of these markets that I'm flying or all of these different places that I'm going, they obviously all don't have TSA pre-check, but does it, uh, does does it help when you look at some of these different places to to still kind of to 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 get that perk? Sure, I mean you know you were saying earlier about um, having pre check is one of the best things you've ever done. If if you're someone that is a frequent flyer and you're flying all over the United States, then it certainly is a good deal. If you fly to only one or two cities, and particularly you know most of your your time when you travel, then you would want to go to the TSA.gov website and look and see if your city, your airport, has TSA pre-check. And then the second thing to check um, is what time is, is are those lanes open? Um, I fly out of Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport, and there are only certain times where TSA pre-checks open, and it may not be open on those first early you know, 6 a.m. flights, depending on when you're leaving from, and you're going to be in regular security. 
some airports, usually your smaller airports, we don't have the volume like you do at a hub, uh, will have what's called a modified pre-check. And it's where you may not have to remove your shoes um, and your jacket and belt, but you have to take the computer out. Um, I'm not sure the specifics of the modified, but that's also explained in the TSA.gov. Um, website, but you can certainly go there and look, and it, it's worth doing a little due diligence before you uh, plot down that eighty-five dollars for um, a few years. Just make sure you're covered there. Uh, when it comes to some of the extensive, like I feel like I've been hearing a lot more. Uh, Ken Jenkins on with us right now. Ken, uh, aviation expert. Well, I find like I'm hearing more. There's an extended uh, pat down kind of thing happening now. With TSA, mm-hmm. what is the latest on that? Well, there are a number of things that have happened over the last few years, just a few months, rather, Justin. Um, let's talk internationally first and then specifically on the pat-downs. Um, there are 20 countries outside of the United States. If you're leaving from one of those countries into the United States, there are additional layers of security, one of which is a, a potential interview um, with each passenger regarding their luggage, if you packed it, uh, how long has it been with you? Have your eyes been off it? Did anybody ask you to take something that, you know, somebody you didn't know asked you to take something on board for them? So there's um, a number of security questions that they're asking folks. Within the United States, um, there are increased uh, random checks that are going on, and that's going to be on both sides of the aisle, whether you're TSA pre-check or you're in regular security. Uh, I saw someone um, uh, go through pre-check with me uh, a few days ago out of New York's uh, John F. Kennedy Airport. And the, it beeped, and the person said, well, I don't have any metal. And they said, oh, no, it's a random check. And they did a quick pat down. It wasn't anything really extended. Um, and then they they used their equipment to swab the, the person's briefcase to check for explosive materials and things of that nature. So those kinds of things are going to increase. Uh, I think you'll see those um, particularly – uh, happening during the holidays. Also, in the non-TSA pre-check line, uh, you may be requested to take not just your computer out now, but any electronic devices, um, any in your gaming systems you have or your iPad or uh, your tablet that you might have. Take those out, not just laptop computers as it's been in the past. So just be patient. Again, you can check tsa.gov for additional guidelines on what may be um, you may be asked to, to remove from your bag so you'll know when you go. That's another reason to get to the airport early. Um, sometimes those processes can take a little bit more time, and it, uh, it adds another you know few minutes to you uh, getting through security. What is the can the, the, this new thing I'm seeing too when it comes to uh, like kind of the trays or the X-ray machines that they're doing? There's like an automated now uh, system, and the trays are bigger that are helping people get through uh, quicker and faster. Yeah, it's really nice, and I, I actually got to experience that in uh, in Atlanta, um, and it, it was really uh, cool. Where you normally would go up, and at the end of the the um, or at the beginning of your security process, you would just pick up a plastic bin, and they're all stacked up. Now they're laid out on like a conveyor belt, and you reach forward and pull your bag or pull the the bin, and it's quite big, so you can get your shoes and your your laptop and a belt and a coat all on one tray. And then you push it back onto the system and it automatically takes it. If it needs to be scanned further or it needs to have additional um, screening, then uh, it goes through the x-ray machine. And if it's deemed it needs a secondary screening, it automatically pops out to another row. 
and it goes down the belt where somebody else takes a, a look at it. And it makes the, the line, it's hard to describe over the phone. You would really have to see it. It's just a much more efficient process. Um, the, the bins come uh, quickly. It's easier to put your things into because you have more room. You don't need as many bins. Um, and then anything that's secondary screening automatically gets called out, goes through the screening, and you're through the line. So I, I really like it. I'd love to see more airports with it. There's a huge cost associated with it. Um, and that's one of the things about airport security is those costs are so high that by the time you get all of those new processes and scanners in, Justin, the technology's already changed and it's time to revamp it again. So it's all, there's always wow. continual cost improvements to, to go on. Well, we appreciate you keeping us updated with the, the latest on this. Ken Jenkins, the aviation expert, and Ken Jenkins, uh, you can find more uh, at uh, Ken's, uh, Ken's website, KenJenkinsLLC.com. Thank you so much for joining us, Ken. Have a great and happy You're Thanksgiving, welcome, man. Thank you. You do the same. Happy holidays to you. Bye-bye. Oh, Ken, wait wait a second. You hey. there? Yes, sir. Yes, Before sir. you go, you're you're in the Texas. Is it yes, stuffing sir. or is it is it stuffing or is it dressing? <laughs> well, I, I'm in Texas and and I'm Texan. We call it stuffing, but we have a lot of transplants here, and they'll call yeah. it dressing. Doesn't matter I'm if it's, gonna... and there's a, you know, I'm a, I like to cook, and there's a definite term for each, but it doesn't matter. We call it all stuffing. I <laughs> think thanks, Ken. I appreciate you. Have a good one. See, I'm getting a. Right. I'm getting outnumbered here, you know. The dre- the dressing uh stuffing conversation continues. This is a big <laughs> This is a big debate. And 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 it uh yeah, no. It flames on. Continuing next. Hey James, who is also in Texas, coming up more about this DNA. It's kind of interesting. James going to join us next talking about DNA. Uh I this was just something I threw out. I found this earlier. Kind of scary. What these companies that collect your DNA are actually doing with it and what people are doing to get it. Coming up next, we'll talk to James. We'll talk to you too. 888-900-3393. That's 1-888-900-3393. Taking a quick pause. Do the appropriate things that you need to do during this quick break. Stretch. Grab a beverage. Because we are in the uh, the end stretch here. Pat Gray, the Blaze Radio Network. Gray returns on the Blaze Radio Network. No, you're not being paranoid. Websites really are watching your every move. Boy, you talk about scary and privacy. We'll get to this story coming up in a second. First, I want to go to uh, James, who's jumped on from Texas. 888 That's 888-900-3393. James, uh, you have some info about this DNA collection? Yeah, um, I was actually watching Shark Tank last week, and there's a company that went, and actually Mark Cuban invested in this company, and what they do is collect DNA. They actually pay uh, people for their DNA, like $50. If you spit in a tube, mail it back, and they get $50. Um, 
the person that's spitting the tube, uh, the customer, and they sell that DNA to these academic studies. And they need, he was saying the problem he had, and that's the reason why he needed an investor, which Mark Cuban um, invested, is a lot of their studies they need, they need between 30,000 to 100,000 participants. It's based on race. So if a study saying, well, we need to study, you know, white people or Asian people between this age study, that's what they need. And he sells that DNA for $155. And... That's how the company makes their money. Um, and wow. I'm interested in maybe the school, maybe somebody said, well, came up to the schools and saying, hey, we will give all your kids um, yeah. DNA, uh, set, you know, whatever, because right. the schools already have the races of the kids. You know, they do those studies. So all you need is a DNA and it's free. Maybe uh, they, maybe they somebody's getting a pay. kickback. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, they're paying $50. You can actually go on DNA Simple is the name of the, uh, the the company. You can go on their website and request a kit, and you can get $50 for it. And you can, you can donate as many times. You're kidding me. As long as, long as they need it. So if they, if me, <laughs> if they if they don't need no more, you know, white people between my age, they, they, they can reject it and say, well, we're not going to pay for this. But if, as long as they need it, they can they can after you submit one time, they can contact you again and ask you for additional, if you want additional to donate additional samples, if they need it for studies. I'm so at this it's just interesting when you, when you brought that up, it's, um, it was interesting. I just got through watching that last week and it just sparked all this, like really they could be doing this to their kids. I'll be interested to find out if they are, you know, if a company said, Hey, We'll do this for your research or whatever, because they have to run the research anyway to verify if I say I'm white, that I'm actually white, that they're submitting these uh, DNA samples of 30,000 white people or 30,000 black people. So they have to verify that anyway. So, hey, I give you this uh, little sheet of paper saying, uh, hey, this is what your lineage is. And I get the, the free sample and I get to turn around and uh, sell it for $155. So it's a win-win on the company's part. I I, I understand the business model. I uh, I don't. <laughs> I, I guess I understand even what people would do. You know, people give plasma. And they give you know a DNA. Maybe that's maybe there's maybe nobody has a problem with it. Maybe people don't have a problem. Fifty dollars here and there. Okay. Does that freak you out at all? Want, I don't know. I wouldn't want my kids to do that because. Um, I want them to be old enough to make that decision, even donating blood. You know, you got to sign and release it for your high school kid to give blood. So you have to sign that release. Uh, Where is you sign a release for them taking DNA? I would seriously have a problem with that. (laughs) And it scares me when I heard that caller. I'm like, first thing comes to mind was, is my school doing it for my kids? And I will find out. I'm looking at this website right now, James. This is pretty crazy. Um, yeah, I'm on the website too. <laughs> DNAsimple.org. And it, it talks exactly what you said. It it matches people. You sign up. They have a study or research uh, request of certain samples from conditions or backgrounds or mutations, they say. Then donors get a mm-hmm. notification every time they match a researcher's request. Uh, they ship a kit to you. And once the donors return uh, kits, they give them fifty dollars 
to them directly or a charity of their choice. Mm-hmm. Wow. Find genetic samples yep. in three easy steps. Specify the patient population and disease of interest. Approve already consented and de-identified donors. So they're saying we're going to remove, and, and yeah, and you trust us. Take our word for it. They're going to remove all the identifying markers of the sample, and then they're going to be able to do these real-time studies, and scientists can uh, can can collect and, and get this information. What about the race part, though? Is that kind yeah. of worrisome, James, that they would be doing, like, I don't know. That sounds kind of like eugenics, you know? I mean. Hey, uh, and I was in there, I was laughing when I, I heard it, and uh, I went on the website and started reading about it, and I'm like, and all you hear all this, uh, you know, PC going on and people identifying as this. What if I identify as something else? My race comes up, and you tell me I'm wrong, and I don't get my $50. Is that um, kind of racist now? Uh, you know, you know, well, the way things are going, you constantly hear people I identify as a guy, I identify as a girl, or people now identify as a different race, and we're giving credence to them. And <laughs> what happens when they get rejected because their race is not what they identify with? <laughs> I'm telling you. Look it's at, just a I, thought, I, you know. <laughs> nothing surprises me anymore, James. That's uh-uh. the world we live in. Uh, before I let you go, though, I have to ask you because that's really the pressing question of the day. Uh, is it stuffing or is it dressing? You're it, in Texas. My mom, yeah, my mom always said dressing, and we always uh-huh. ate it. But if it's inside the bird, it's stuffing. And she's yeah. always, we always, we never had it inside the bird. We had it one time, it was just horrible. But um, <laughs> it was always been dressing. She made a pan of dressing or two pans. And yeah. the stuffing, it went inside the bird. If it ain't in the bird, it ain't stuffing. This is interesting. Are you guys, your mom used to call it that too. Are you guys all from uh, Texas originally? Yes, born and raised. My mom was, and uh, her mom, it's, um, yeah, all very, from Texas. Very fascinating. <laughs> I, I, now, I thought I had, a, I had an understanding uh, of where this line of stuffing versus dressing was going and geographically where we were at. But uh, I got one for the dressing crowd. I'm pretty happy about that. James. Yeah, dressing is a, dressing is a meal. Stuffing is an accessory. <laughs> there you go. Okay. I don't know. I'm, 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 the more we, we dig into this, I'm really getting, uh, I'm getting excited because I think we're getting – I don't know if it's the same as the DNA testing, but we're definitely getting some answers here. <laughs> James, thanks for calling, man. And if anybody wants to uh, donate their dressing or their stuffing or any of their leftovers, I'll, I'll put my address out there a little bit later on. So I'm looking at Butterball.com right now, and they do. They have it broken out like into different geographic regions with uh different uh colorations yellow being stuffing blue being dressing and what i'm seeing is i'm from indiana in the indiana kentucky uh tennessee i believe that would be uh that's that's alabama right alabama florida in that area all blue they call that the east south central right the east south central uh, and the North-South Central, East-North Central, rather, East-North Central and East-South Central, 
The East South Central is 62%, dressing 38%, stuffing. Some of those others make up, uh, looks like, uh, Mississippi, Louisiana, and uh, what is that, Arkansas? What is that? That's Missouri, right? That's Missouri. I got like a geography class going on. They got to name these states on here. You can't expect me to just do this work on my own and come up with these names. Next, you're going to want capitals? Unbelievable. Stuffing versus dressing. And, and uh, as uh, James just said, by the way, Texas in the West South Central dressing. 100%. I feel a little vindicated here now. This is according to Butterball.com. That's not the Googles, but I guarantee it. Like Butterball, they know what they're talking about when it comes to turkey. They know a thing or two about turkey. I would think so. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the conversation continues here. Uh, by the way, and and I don't know. I don't know if we'll get any real resolution on this, but overall, it looks like more folks in the country call it stuffing than they do dressing. There's a lot more yellow than there is blue. Usually talk about red and blue states. Today we're talking about the yellow and blue states. This is the tough. <laughs> right? This is the tough conversations that have to be made. We have to have these conversations or we're just not getting anywhere. So if you're, uh, if you're not paranoid uh, before, now you, you, you will be. Uh, Ars Technica is the name of the website with this blog article. You're not being paranoid. Sites really are watching your every move. This goes along with the DNA, along with uh, some of the other weird stuff we've been looking at today, privacy-wise. TSA, Pat, yeah, I'm getting the feel. If you have the uncomfortable sense someone is looking over your shoulder as you surf the web, you're not being paranoid. A new study finds hundreds of sites, including Microsoft.com, Adobe.com, and GoDaddy.com, employ scripts that record visitors' keystrokes, mouse movements, and scrolling behavior in real time, even before the input is submitted or is later deleted. So let's say you're going onto a website and you're typing stuff in, and you go, yeah, maybe I, you know, maybe I don't want to type that in there. You just hit delete, backspace there, click, click, click. Guess what? They still got your keystrokes. They know exactly what you typed in, all of it. Study published last week reported that 482 out of 50,000 most traffic websites employ these such scripts. Usually with no clear disclosure, it's not always easy to detect sites that employ such scripts, and the actual number is almost certainly much higher, particularly among sites outside the top 50,000 where they were studied. Collection of page content by third-party replay scripts may cause sensitive information such as medical conditions, credit card details, and other personal information displayed on a page to leak to the third party as part of the recording, according to this smart guy at Princeton University, Ph.D. candidate. This may expose users to identity theft, online scams, and other unwanted behavior. This is kind of freaky. They're showing like a video of how this works. And how they're able to, to capture these things. I, and what it might mean, I think, in the long run, just specifically, if you took like a look at maybe just like the health stuff, there is one 
example of a screenshot here given on a Walgreens pharmacy registry, and they're asking for, like, select health conditions. And there are a number of different A through Z conditions you can select. So someone has selected or accidentally selected abortion and alcohol dependence or abuse. All of that logged your personal information and whether or not any of that's true or not is now out there and it's part of big data. They have now have a chance to be able to take that data. And you know, part of the reason they collect it, of course, is for themselves, but they're going to share that too because they're making money off. It's like the folks that are getting your DNA and they're taking that for $50. They give you $50, right? And they turn around and flip it for 150 Listen, don't hate the player, hate the game. I mean, I get, I understand you're making a... You're making a buck, but at the end of the day, shouldn't you be more empowered? Shouldn't you know about what's happening? So uh, what they say, by the way, um, what they say and what they suggest to do here, in this case, to prevent your stuff from being collected, your data, right? Um, Ad blockers, they say, can filter out some, but not all. According to these uh, these scripts that are that are being used, you can check the do not track option built into some browsers. Um, but it also failed to stop logging. Uh, in some cases, uh, it didn't work. So every keystroke typed into a web field may be logged character by character. Even if the visitor later deletes the field and never presses a submit button. Crazy. If you're not paranoid, if you're not paranoid enough yet, I'm going to take you someplace you've never been. And maybe some might argue we haven't been either. That's right, folks. We're going to the moon. A new conspiracy theory claims to have evidence that the moon landing was indeed faked. The earth-shattering, so to speak, uh, information. You're not going to want to miss this. It's coming up right after this. Justin Barkley tackling the tough and serious subjects today. Uh, in for Pat Gray, his much-needed vacation. It may be the last one he's allowed to take after the show. Let's be honest, right? We're back next after this on The Blaze. Pat Gray Unleashed. On the Blaze Radio Network. Pat Gray is here. Hey, it's Justin Barkley in for Pat on the Blaze today and Unleashed. Uh, we are 888-933-93. You can join the conversation before we get out of here. i got to tell you, there's breaking news here. Well, it's, it's not necessarily breaking news, but there is a story. Uh, this is on the Fox News website. And I was instantly drawn to it. I have to admit, I kind of have this weird... It's a fascination. I, I like to read some every now and then and hear about the conspiracy theories 
Uh, most times I, I hear this stuff and I go, that's a complete load of garbage. I think they're funny. I like to laugh at them. But I do enjoy hearing them. Who knows? Some of the stuff might even be real. I don't know. But it is kind of a fascination. And I think some of it, for me anyway, is this. Like the real news is so crazy. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like fantasy is a, it's a little bit better. So, you know, like, uh, you know, the, the aliens, um, are landing in a specific, uh, region or somewhere, or they're, 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 uh, I don't know. Have you heard about the crop circles? Any of that? I like to hear about the crop circles every now and then. Uh, do they have like, a uh, you know, area 51? Are, are they, do they have, are they keeping alien bodies there? Now, to be honest, and I'll be 100% open and upfront with you, I have never, this full disclosure, I have never met an alien. I have never, uh, illegal or otherwise. I don't know. I may have met an illegal alien. I don't know. Uh, but I'm talking about like the, 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 you know, men from Mars or others, you know, the, the, you know, from other solar systems, ET, that kind of thing. So I can't really uh, corroborate this kind of thing or not, but I do find it kind of fascinating. It's interesting. And I think, to me, it says a couple of things about us uh, as a people. When we like, we, we, like there, there are an entire group of people, by the way. I could do a whole show on this. Matter of fact, uh, no, I'm kidding. I can't do that tomorrow. No, no. There are an entire group of people that feel like the, and you may have heard this story, they feel like the world, the earth is flat. Now, that one is pure comedy to me. So please don't get it twisted. I'm not out here thinking like the earth is flat or anything like that. But I do, I kind of find some of these things interesting. Uh, some of the government conspiracies, like did, uh, well, was, was there more than one shooter? Did Lee Harvey Oswald really shoot President Kennedy? Man, that's a tough one because I've been to Dallas. I've seen that area. I've spoken with. Matter of fact, our guest earlier today, Professor Alan Sachs, he was there at the time. I researched that extensively. But I see, and I think that's why some of these things work, right, is that I see a little bit of truth or possibility. They are believable in some way, just a tread. Just enough to be believable. That's why they work so well, right? Was it was mafia in uh, behind this? Was it Russia? Was it uh, the Cubans? Was it the CIA? I mean, see, you see, like some of these things, you could see where they might, in fact, work out. A wild conspiracy theory claims that the Apollo moon landing was fake, and according to this new evidence, there's photo evidence. And by the way, I'll try and put this up on uh, Twitter so you can see this at Mister Justin Barkley on Twitter. Uh, despite insurmountable evidence to the contrary, conspiracy theorists have claimed for years that man did not walk on the moon. The landings were faked. That theory has surfaced again thanks to a new picture posted to YouTube that alleges the last moon landing, one from Apollo 17, was staged. And there's a there's like a uh, there's an astronaut that's got uh, a helmet and then like the reflective surface in the helmet, the visor. There is a bit of a reflection that looks like it could be a person when you zoom into it. Now, it's kind of interesting, and I could see possibly where this could, in fact, be, uh, you know, would would we, 
just a question. Would we fake the moon landing? Well, I could see that we possibly would, especially if we wanted to uh, fool Russia into thinking that we had, in fact, went to the, the moon. Now, would we would we later go to the moon? Maybe we have. Maybe we did fake it. These are possibilities. So I'm not saying that we we absolutely fake this because I don't. For, first of all, I don't want to get punched by like Buzz Aldrin because he will do that if you say that to him. He will punch you square in your throat. He doesn't mess around. Uh but it, I mean, it's a possibility. Is it a possibility? I think it could be. And this YouTube channel I'm watching, as a matter of fact, this guy using my software. <clears throat> What we appear to have here is he's a getting into what he's figure getting. of a human. Yeah, that's yeah, a human right there. Not wearing a space suit. Oh, he's not. early 70s. Oh. I think it's Apollo 17 photograph. I'm looking at. Yes, it is. Um, Apollo 17 photograph. You know what else I love about this kind of stuff? I love that we have enough time as people to go and, and like dig into this stuff. Here we have enough time. A guy's got enough time on his hands to go look into this. And he's done it. I think that's a I that's a beautiful thing. Did we really go to the moon or not? I can't tell you. I, I'm gonna I'm leaning with uh with the fact that we probably uh really, really did go to the moon and uh that uh, folks that say otherwise might be a little just a little uh, it's okay, I understand. Yesterday, no matter where you're working, no matter what your job is, can't be worse than this guy from the weather channel. At the Georgia Dome. Did you see this? They gotta implode this thing. He's got a camera shot set up. And this this Marta bus pulls up. Oh god, the guy's the worst. Oh man. No matter how bad your job is, man, it's not that bad. You didn't have a bad day as that guy had, huh? And this show wasn't as bad as that either. It wasn't that big of a disaster. We'll be back if they let us do it again tomorrow. Right here with you on The Blaze. And for Pat Gray, I'm Justin Barclay, and this is Unleashed. Pat Gray Unleashed on The Blaze Radio Network.